when he was elected to be king in Israel, but that power corrupted him. There's very few men that would not be corrupted by such power. Even Moses was corrupted. David was corrupted. They repented, and they remained in God's good grace, but Saul ended up uh, falling on his own sword. And so it's a tremendous temptation when we're weak and elect leaders to rule over them. It's considered a sin. It's called the rejection of God when the voice of the people elected Saul. It was the rejection of God. God allowed it, but that government was not ordained by God. It was ordained by men because God does not ordain sin. He allows sin, but then there is a repercussion. And this is why governments are created to punish the wicked. Who are the wicked? Usually the wicked are the ones who create the government if that government is built in a certain way. And, of course, the United States federal government was uh, created by a constitution. If you read our series on contracts, covenants, and constitutions, you will see that the people were not a party to that agreement. But today they are a party to that agreement because they have applied for the benefits that agreement and that government, that corporate government, is able to provide the people. And it can provide more and more of those benefits because it can take more and more from those people who signed up to these social welfare programs, which is why both David and, and Paul, quoting David, re refers to the fact that what should have been for your welfare has become a snare. It's why Proverbs talks about uh, being snared by uh, setting this trap, uh, lurking privately for blood, what, and you being captured in the very net of your own creation. Uh, it tells you, consent not when sinners entice you. Well, what's the sin that we're talking about? The sin is coveting your neighbor's goods, of course, making a covenant with uh, the people where you go, and their gods, their ruling judges, the ones who could exercise authority one over the other. That's a sin, too. So all these things are done regularly by people calling themselves Christians. They're not only done regularly, but they're done as a matter of policy, their preachers are telling the people that it's okay to apply for government benefits, even though the government is a clearly a benefit benefactor who exercises authority. It really isn't the benefactor. It's calling itself the benefactor, but it gives you nothing except what it takes away from your neighbor. So you're violating coveting your neighbor's goods. You're violating uh, making covenants with them and with their gods. You're not praying to your Father in Heaven for your needs, but you're praying to your Father in Washington or in London or, you know, Quebec or wherever the seat of your government is. That's where you're praying to that government for benefits, even though you know that government is only going to give you what it takes away from its neighbor. So these systems of government are foolish, according to Samuel, and they lead to destruction. That's where we have been taken because our ministers are not really preaching the gospel of the kingdom, which says that we are to live by the perfect law of liberty, by faith, hope, and charity. If you have a need, then you pray to the Father, you let your prayers be known to your brothers, and your brothers hopefully answer your prayers by giving you, if you need a coat, they give you one that they have extra. If you're short of food, they break the bread and divide it amongst you so that you have enough to eat. And this is where we're headed in this nation. We've seen several years now where the cost of living increases have not been added to the uh, uh, welfare of this, these men who call themselves benefactors. And at the same time, we've seen prices of food going up. And so people are being squeezed. Well, you haven't seen anything yet. The squeeze is going to become greater and greater. And unless we return to the ways of Christ, the ways of love, gather together in his name according to his character in his ways we will find ourselves like the egyptians of old caught in the plague caught in uh, one disaster after another and many people will perish unnecessarily they could make it through the hard times ahead if they would simply put on the character of christ turn around and start going towards his government now, we've written a number of books that explain his government, how his government operated, 
how it operated in the early centuries as Rome began to decline and fall. We pointed out the fact that uh, these systems uh, end up uh, doing crazy things like taking the silver out of the Roman silver and denarii, uh, which moved the price of a sack of wheat from uh, simple uh, six denarii, which is about 60 cents in silver, actually be about 50 cents in silver, because a denarii was a little smaller than a dime, and uh, went to 120,000 denarii for the same sack of wheat. But of course, by that time, the denarii was no longer silver, it was iron coin. And that was insane to go that way, you know, just kind of wave your hands and tell the people, oh, you don't need silver in your money anymore. It's, it's worth what we say it's worth. You know, it's kind of that, uh, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore, we're in Oz. And uh, the guy behind the curtain is pulling all the strings. And uh, not to give Australia a bad name, <laughs> because that's not really Oz, although it's sometimes referred to Oz. But we live in a make-believe world, uh, kind of an Alice in Wonderland economy where you have to run as fast as you can just to stay where you are. If you want to get anywhere, you have to run twice as fast. And it's impossible. What you have to do is uh, realize there is no place like home. And home is with the Father. It's not in heaven when you die, it's on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is our prayer, that we actually live according to the precepts of God. We live according to the precepts of love for one another. Love and charity and uh, by hope, by giving our neighbor the freedom of helping us or not. That would be an original idea, to actually give our neighbor the right to choose whether he should help us or not help us. And if he chooses not to help us, we won't rob him. We won't send men to his right that he help us. So we're going to force him to help us? No, we can't do that and call ourselves Christians. And the reality is every Christian today in the world that they live in or people calling themselves Christians, do this on a regular basis because they pray to the benefactors, the men who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority one over the other. And, of course, those of you who are familiar with the Bible know that Christ said it was not to be that way with us, us, the Christians. We aren't to pray to those men who call themselves benefactors. We should not be applying to them for their benefits. But what can you do? I mean, how many people out there are on social welfare now, social security? How many people out there are sending their kids to public school at the expense of their neighbor? And the reality is that you're going to have to pay those taxes because you signed up. They don't have to give you the benefits. A recent article I put out on newsreviews.com uh, explains that, that from the beginning. They don't have to give you one single social security benefit whatsoever, and you still owe the tax. And you owe the tax because you made the covenant. You applied for the benefit. You say, oh, well, I didn't know. I didn't understand. Well, you signed the contract. You took the benefit. You're in. Now, what do you do about it? Repent. Turn around. Let's set the table of the Lord. Let's start coming together and helping one another. And there are people out there that can make this happen and help make this happen. But first, you people on the Living Network, that are already there need to pick contact ministers. I don't care how far away from you they are. They're still in your general local area, your state, and you pick those contact ministers and you stay in contact with them and you try to find the other people that are seeking the ways of the Lord and you help support them in that search for those other people. And the contact ministers need to get together and pick a minister. It should be for every 10 people uh, or less only need two people to pick a contact minister, and he will be added to the forums of contact ministers. And this is the network. This is the network of the early church. This is what they were doing at Pentecost. They weren't just, you know, dunking these people. You're baptized. Go run for it. You're free. Uh, we pointed that out. Moses didn't go into Egypt and take the people out to the edge of Egypt one at a time and said, okay, you're free. Run for it. Uh, they came together. They helped one another. They filled each other's water flasks, which were actually water filters <laughs> uh, made out of clay and ceramic, which we'll show you how to make someday. Uh, the, uh, the fact is that they came together. They helped one another. They were there for one another. They learned what it meant to love thy neighbor as thyself. 
and this made them strong as a society. It made them fit to come into a place like Canaan, which was still under Egyptian uh, authority. The Israelites weren't under Egyptian authority. They all through Sinai, there were Egyptian military outposts, but they did not go to them for aid. They stood on their own strength and their own brotherhood, and they got through the wilderness. And they ended up coming into Canaan, and the archaeologists were pointed out that Canaan was not taken over by battle. It was taken over by a peaceful influx of a different society. Suddenly, the diet of the people changed, the nature of their homes changed, the cleanliness and, and the sobriety of the society changed, and that was because a superior society with superior precepts came in, focused on the family, uh, making the family the foundation of their society, charity and, and brotherly love the foundation of their society. You couldn't hurt an Israelite without hurting all Israelites. Because if you attack one, if you rob one, the others would show up. We've lost that in this society. We are completely unprepared for a second American revolution. Uh, not that any kind of a military revolution is required. There isn't. You need a revolution of the heart, a revolution of your spirit. Early America took care of all the social welfare needs of the old age, of the infirm, of the needy of their society, and they did 90% of that through the church and through uh, brotherly love and contribution. There was no welfare office. There was the church. And this brought the people together in faith, hope, and charity so that when there was an usurpation, when there was an invading army of foreign troops, Hessians, Germans coming in and trying to usurp authority they did not have. It wasn't, we weren't the ones revolting in that American Revolution. I had family back then that were here, Quakers who uh, joined the Virginia Reg Regiment and stood by them, were kicked out of the Quaker church because they did that. But the reality was they stood because there was an unwarranted usurpation. The government was breaking a law and they stood against that. They didn't necessarily want to take up arms, but uh, they didn't want to be killed either. But the reality was they could come together because they were already together in their society because they looked to one another for aid, assistance, comfort, social welfare. And they depended upon faith, hope, and charity to provide that welfare. Today's society doesn't do that. It has the Corbin of the Pharisees. The Pharisees had a Corbin. Uh, Rome had a Corbin. The... Uh, uh, even if you go up into the uh, uh, Germanic tribes, they had a system of Corbin using a word that's very uh, similar to subomai that we see in the Greek uh, for this idea of worshiping and caring for one another and contributing to one another to aid society through free will offerings. All these governments had that. Early Rome, the, even the military, was entirely supported by free will offerings, not by an imposed tax. And they actually came together what they call hearths, which were like the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and they formed their military. They did do other things, and we won't go into all that. We don't have time to go into all that. Uh, and, and, and through a progression of almost 500 years as a republic, they eventually became an empire. The United States did it in, a, in about 20 years, <laughs> and, uh, and the Constitution was a part of that, but it is all the subsequent bills and, and administrative uh, memberships that we've been signing up for since uh, 1864, 1868, and 1913, 1933. We've just constantly been becoming a party to these systems of Corbin that were like the Corbin that was by the Hasmoneans and eventually by Herod, where you become a member and your contribution is no longer free will. You free will became that member, but now your contribution is forced. This puts power in the hands of government that should not be there, that tempts government to become abusive and uh, weakens society. And this was the Corbin of the Pharisees. This was the social welfare of the Pharisees. 
And it started out as kind of an old age pension, uh, help the poor and needy. Uh, we would come make sure everybody paid their fair share and that we took the choice away from the people or they gave it away because they signed up and they got the baptism of Herod because Herod was baptizing people into this system. John the Baptist was out there baptizing people into another system, a system of Corbin based on faith, hope, and charity. If you had two coats and your neighbor had none, you shared it. If you had a sack of grain and your neighbor had none, you took some of your grain and shared it with him so that he, his family didn't starve. You didn't just give to the poor indiscriminately because there are the lazy poor, the good for nothing, undeserving poor, as they call them. Uh, they gave to those who were truly in need, who sought to do the right thing, who led moral lives or sought to lead moral lives, and, but sometimes needed help. And that society took care of itself. The people who are degenerate, who uh, are abusive, uh, who are uh, wicked, you don't support that wickedness. You don't have to feed the wicked. You have to maybe, you know, might feed them a little bit just so that they don't, you know, so they get another chance at being good. But they have to turn around. I mean, you don't go into the poor neighborhoods and start handing out food to the pimps. Uh, you you start freeing people from their own uh, addiction and uh, bringing them into the ways of life. And everybody has to look at that. There's a lot of uh addictions out there there's a lot of things that we do that is not good for us that is bad for us bad for our families and we need to stop that we need to turn around from that we need to become free from that by letting that go being said so what is the system of corbin that the pharisees had well it was this system set up through the baptism of herod where you had to pay into the government treasury and that government treasury took care of your social welfare needs if you became blind or what have you. Now, what happened during this period, a kind of interesting anecdote to this, is that uh, they didn't have enough water in Jerusalem. It was a growing, thriving city, and they needed some more fresh water, and fresh water was very important to the health of a uh, community. So they, they made an aqueduct, and they actually, uh, you can see pictures of the pipes which were carved out of big stone. They literally carved a round hole in the stone and uh, then had a little lip on one side that was uh, kind of a male end and a female end on the other. And they fitted bones together and made a pipe that brought water, fresh water, all the way into uh, uh, Jerusalem so that the people would have fresh drinking water. Well, they needed funds to do this, and they did this under Pontius Pilate. And they needed funds to, to accomplish this, and they were a little bit short of those funds. And instead of uh, somebody coming up through private uh, contributions or investments, which is what a lot of the temples uh, depended on as an investment program, they actually uh, took the money from the Corbin, the Social Security Fund. And there was a riot, and Pontius Pilate had to put that riot down with a military force. And the reality is that's what's happened today in the world is that the, there is no Social Security fund. It's been pilfered, it's been used up, and of course that's all legal, but because that's the way the system is, we need to find out how the Social Security is right because that works well. Now, what happened during this period of time is that the Jews had a You're listening to FirstAmendmentRadio.com worldwide. Freedom is never free. We need your support today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Gold and silver is tremendously undervalued. Global demand vastly exceeds mine supply by more than 60% annually. There is little in the financial world more certain than a coming explosion in the prices of gold and silver. The U.S. dollar continues to lose value and respect as the world's reserve currency. Our nation faces challenges on many fronts, and a day doesn't pass without another economist bringing forth warnings of impending economic calamity. There has never been a better time than right now to acquire physical gold and silver. 
Discount Gold and Silver Trading was founded on the principles of truth and honesty. We believe in providing a quality product, quality service, and most importantly, competitive pricing. We provide all forms of precious metals, including American gold, silver, platinum, and rare investment and circulated coins. Silver bars, rounds, and 90% silver bags are on hand for the silver investor. Gold self-directed IRAs are available. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, that's 1-800-375-4188. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or... War of Federal Aggression. John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free, or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. Get this DVD presentation for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Call 559-781-3773. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Hi, Nicholas here. I used to lug those big jugs to the market to fill with water from those coin-operated filter machines. 25 cents a gallon or 5 gallons for a buck. I used to. Then I got the big Berkey. Now I save my back and hundreds of dollars too. I was paying $600 for the same 3,000 gallons of water that a pair of black Berkey filters will provide for my own tap for only $99. This means that your Berkey water system will entirely pay for itself with only 1,500 gallons of use. And then you will still have 1,500 gallons left before you need to replace the filters. Do the math. Stop throwing your money away on bottled water and filter dispensers that may or may not be delivering as promised. For a limited time, First Amendment Radio is offering 10% off on the most popular Berkey water systems. Visit the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call us at 559-781-3773 for more information. Leave your name and address and we'll send you this special offer. Do it now. First Amendment Radio is an authorized distributor of Berkey products. We're talking about Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about Corbin, the sin of Corbin, and the blessings of Corbin. The good, the bad, and the ugly was the theme that we were talking about or announced on Blog Talk. The good Corbin is the Corbin of Christ, where you take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. That is what the job of the church was, is to not only preach the gospel in words, but in deeds to have an alternative to the altars of sin that were created in all these nations where you took from your neighbor by force. What happens when you take from your neighbor by force is that uh, it's maybe legal. I'm not saying it's illegally taken from your neighbor, but it's still taken where the contribution is not a free will offering anymore you have signed up and given somebody else the choice as to what you're going to give, how much you're going to give, who you're going to give it, and when you're going to give it. When you give that power of choice to someone, call it government or whatever, uh, you have given away a right and a responsibility that God gave you to make that choice. And it was considered a rejection of God in Samuel 8 when the voice of the people elected a leader who could take away some of those choices. And we are guilty of that same rejection of God, and our ministers have not alerted us to that reality. Instead, they've kept us singing asleep in our churches and allowed us to abandon the ways of Christ, abandon Christ himself, profess Christ with our words but not with our deeds because we don't take care of our neighbors through faith, hope, and charity. We send our neighbor to those men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. Now, in the early church in 150, there was a man by the name of Justin who wrote an apology. Uh, He actually was writing it for the emperor Antonio Pius and sent it off to him. He was later executed, but he was charged with atheism, not believing in God. 
Yet here was a man who was a devout Christian, a Greek scholar, who had followed the ways of Christ and had saw the system of God's government operating and uh, operating in a much better way. And how did it operate? Those who came together, they, they read and studied the scriptures, which were not the Bible as we know it today. They were all the scriptures that were available at that time and not the ones Eusebius had not yet compiled the Bible for Constantine that we now have. And so they were reading any letters and, and scriptures that were written by our early ministers and, and apostles and studying the ways, but they were living the ways. And those that had shared with those that did not have. And I'm quoting from his own writings explaining what they did in their church services. Their church services often began on Sunday. That wasn't because they did not have Sabbath. They still had Sabbath as a day of rest. But the church being a government, Sunday morning was the first work day of the week. And therefore, they wanted to get that business taken care of first, the governmental business, so that everybody could go about their own business. So they came together and they discussed government by reading the scriptures. They uh, had their prayers where everybody explained what their needs were and those that had shared with those that did not have enough, which is exactly what we see Christ saying, what we see John the Baptist saying, what Moses had said, love thy neighbor as thyself, what, uh, what the altars of Abraham were really all about, is that sacrifices that were freely given were distributed amongst the needy, and therefore you did not have to go to the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and the other city-states, nor would you have to go to the Pharaoh, or nor would you have to go to Caesar. And if you go to Caesar, he's going to want you to make a covenant with him, a contract with him. You're going to have to fill out an application and make an agreement. And today, in order to get any of those benefits, you have to have a Social Security number. And if anybody wants to read Title 42, Section 666, Section A, Section 13, Section A of Section 13, and you will see that you have to have a social security number to get married, you have to have a social security number to have a business license, you have to have a social security number to uh, get a bank account, you have to have a social security number to get a job, you have to have a social security number to get anything in the marketplace whatsoever. Now, if you have some money, you might be able to go down to Walmart and buy something, but the reality is you're not gonna have money for very long if you don't have that social security number. And when they go to rationing, you won't even be welcome in Bymart, <laughs> or at least the grocery store or the gas station, because those are the items they'll probably ration first. But since they sell groceries in uh, Walmart, expect to see a military officer outside uh, these stores someday, just like you already see in the airport. I mean, this is inevitably the way it has to go. I don't have to be a prophet, just a historian, to see that that's the way things go. The reality is the the Corbin of Christ depends on free will offerings, and the reality is that in the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, the Christians did a much better job of taking care of the needy in their society uh, than the system of Rome, because it was laced with corruption, it was laced with abuse, it was uh, bureaucratic, uh, overbearing, uh, pompous, and ineffectual. And because of the other things, such as taking the silver out of the Roman denarii and, and uh, depleting and, and taxing the people more and more and more, and uh, a huge number of people that were simply lazy and dependent upon the uh, free bread and circuses of Rome, uh, society was doomed. But the society of the Christians who were learning the ways of Christ, they actually prospered to the point that even though they were only 5% tried to emulate Christianity with a false Christianity, but still he was trying to emulate that and take the burdens off of this huge welfare system so that he could support his armies that still went around murdering people by the tens of thousands on a regular basis. There's no evidence in my book and the book Thy Kingdom Come that uh, we write about Constantine that he ever converted to Christianity. His mother might have but uh, there's no evidence that he ever did uh, to any consequence. And the fact is it's very clear that the church that he started uh, was very much different than the church established by Christ. And we explain a lot of that in the Free Church Report as well that explains how that church really operated. And the only reason we're telling you all this is so that you 
learn the ways of Christ. You learn how his early church operated because you're going to need that knowledge. You're going to need that in this world because the system that you see around you, which is the unrighteous mammon, is about to fail. And we need to turn around and start setting the table of the Lord, start living in the ways of the Lord, and start being real churches serving Christ by serving one another. And we need to stop praying for those social welfare. Everybody needs to start thinking about homeschooling. Now, in a congregational setting, that's a lot easier. We didn't have too much of that when we first started homeschooling our children some 30, 40 years ago. Uh, we, we just had to start figuring it out. And there were a few neighbors around that were doing it, and that, that helped out to some degree. Uh, but there's a lot to be learned in that. And now we have second and third generations that are moving in that direction across the country, and we need to learn what they have learned. And we need to work together, and that means coming together. Now, that's one thing. That's one, you know, obviously public school is socialism, and it is dependent upon the Corbin of the Pharisees these non-free will offerings and it's not going to go away right away but we're you haven't even got the legs of the table built much less the surface much less anything on it so you need to start building that table of the lord and one way to do that is homeschooling in a congregational setting where you work together as a congregation to make sure that these children have the help that they need and and the education that they need to grow up to be good strong uh God-fearing, uh, God-loving Christian. This uh, idea that uh, Justin was accused of atheism, he did believe in God, but he didn't believe in the gods of Rome. And so they referred to him as an atheist. But really what they're talking about is he did not participate. He was what they would call in the Greek idiotis, a non-participant, uh, which is what Peter was, idiotis, a non-participant in the systems that were created under the Roman government and under governments like the Pharisees, which of course was just a Roman government because they said we have no king but Caesar. And so they went under Caesar and the Christians remained the true Israel. And that's a reality a lot of uh, pastors don't understand is that Israel was the place where God prevailed. It's not some political... Uh, government created by the united nations it's not somebody who has long locks and 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 bows at the wailing wall it's those who do the ways of christ who don't have diverse weights in their purse in other words they wouldn't have iron coin they wouldn't be making up iron coin as a government uh, they wouldn't have a heavy progressive income tax they wouldn't have property tax they would return every man to his family and to his possessions, and they would operate by faith, hope, and charity, which is the way early Israel operated. And any government that doesn't operate that way is not following Moses, and therefore is not Israel. And any church that is not following those ways is not the church established by Jesus Christ. And it is not Israel either, nor is it the church. So we need to turn around in lots of different ways. Uh, home health, there's a push to create health care uh, nationwide in the United States, it's already nationwide in many other countries. The reality is, is that you should be taking care of each other. And actually, you, you'd be surprised how much better you can do. And this is part of that where if you have habits that are detrimental to your health, you, you need to work on that. You need to turn around. You need to realize that those habits have you just as enslaved as anybody else does. And you need to start letting those habits go. And you need to start improving your health. Uh, and uh, improving the health of your community by improving your own health. That's one of the things about the community of Christ is that you can't make everybody else do the right thing. You know, they have a bad habit that's bad for their health. You can't make them stop. They have to choose to stop. But by them choosing to stop, they make the whole community healthier. And they are not going to be depleting the, the community's resources when, you know, uh, you know, they need a new lung or they need a new stomach or they need, you know, a new hip or whatever it is. There is so much we can do to prevent bad health now. Uh, we have a, a, a video that you can purchase on hisholychurch.org 
food matters. I was just so impressed by it. I, I bought a bunch of them bulk, and I can sell them without uh, uh, postage, uh, no postage charge. And uh, so I can get them to you cheaper than they sell them on the net. And But it's just an introductory that would be great for congregations to see that, to start thinking that food does matter. What you put in your body does matter. and But also what comes out of you matters. And Christ was clearly talking about that. And what comes out of you is, uh, is it faith, is it hope, is it charity, or greed, is it sloth? What is the message you're sending to the rest of the world? Now, Jesus talked several times about this idea of uh, the bad servant who, uh, he uh, he's forgiven a debt, but then he goes out and beats those who owe him. And, uh, you know, the master is very displeased with this. I forgave you, but you don't forgive them. And another uh, uh, taskmaster, he goes and says, you know, how much do you owe? Well, I owe 100. He says, well, pay. how much can you pay? 50. Okay, paid in full. And Jesus talks about him being good. Well, I'll lay you odds, whatever government you're in, they're not in the habit of making a deal like that with you. What they do is that if you owe 50 and you can't pay it, suddenly you owe 200. And if you owe 200 and you can't pay it, suddenly you owe 400 or 500 or 1,000. And the reality is that is the bad servant. That is not ordained by God. That is anti-Christ. That is going against Christ. And if you are seeking to be a part of such a government and and want the benefits of that government, then you are have turned away from Christ and you are going the opposite direction. Now, if you want to go back towards Christ, start forming your congregations, informing your pastors. I want that provides all my true social welfare needs. I want a church that takes care of the widows and orphans of my society through faith, hope, and charity. That's the church I want, the church that is the church established by Jesus Christ, because that's what they were doing. And they were doing that not because there wasn't social welfare systems around. They were doing that because they actually believed in this strange, odd, bizarre, peculiar concept of loving your neighbor as yourself. They actually wanted to put that into action. Amazing. You see, the blind man who had been blind since birth, had no other skills, suddenly is healed, and they say, who do you believe in? And he says he believes in Christ because he knows Christ healed him. He doesn't know what Christ looks like, but he knows Christ healed him. And they say, okay, anybody who professes Christ is cast out of our welfare system at the temple because that's where it was run, at the temple. You've got to remember all these welfare systems out here today, they're run at the temples that you worship at. Those are the temples you sacrifice to, you give your burnt offerings to, and the men who administer those programs, those are your Levites, those are your ministers, those are your priests, those are the ones that are taking care of the needs of your society. They call themselves benefactors, but they exercise authority. The church is to be the benefactor that doesn't exercise authority. The church is to be the benefactor that operates by faith, hope, and charity. But he was cast out of that system. His parents were asked, well, what, what about this? And they knew they would be cast out. And they said, oh, no, my son can speak for himself. We're not going to profess Christ. So they didn't get cast out, at least not right then. But the son did. And so he's out on the streets, and Christ comes and looks for him and says, who do you believe in? Christ, well, I am him. Come, come with me. Come with me where? Oh, we're just going to go out on the church and sing a few hymns? No, come with me into the kingdom. Walk with me in the kingdom. Jesus says, I will not eat with you again until I eat with you in the kingdom. After his resurrection, he comes and says, what do you got to eat? Bread, honey, fish. He's eating with them. Where? Is he in heaven? No, he's on earth because the kingdom is on earth. Because Jesus appointed unto them a kingdom just as his father appointed unto them. And it was a government. And it was taking care of all the government social welfare needs of the people. There is another king, one Jesus. And there are the ministers of Jesus Christ. And they are the benefactors, the princes of a government that don't exercise authority one over the other. Is that what your church is doing? If it's not, you're in the wrong church. 
Go bear, I'm not saying quit the church. Go bear witness to the truth to your pastor. Chances are he'll kick you out, but that's okay. When he kicks you out, we'll come looking for you. Because that's what Christ would do. And that's what we're doing right now with the Living Network. And if you're not a member of the Living Network, you need to be a member. Because just listening to these radio broadcasts and these recordings is not enough. You need to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. And that means you have to start looking to form a network of congregations, of living congregations of record who care about each other as much as they care about themselves. You need to start forming that. You need to do it. I'm not going to do it. I herd sheep out here. I do not tie the sheep together with ropes and contracts. I do not beat the sheep. I don't even use the dog hardly anymore. I mean, uh, he's too fat and lazy anyway. <laughs> he's been sitting in the pen too much. But uh, he's getting old. But uh, my sheep hear my voice. I'll, I'll sit on the top of a mountain and yell down to them, and they'll turn around <laughs> and go where they're supposed to go. They know what they should be doing and shouldn't be doing. But it's taken a long time to get to that point. I don't know how much time you have. You need to join the Living Network. Go to hisholychurch.org, pull down the drop-down menu, look at, uh, there it says, find a local group, join that local group, pick a contact on that group, ask who is volunteering. If you want to volunteer, you volunteer. Other people need to pick you. Get two people to vote for you. We'll put you on the contact ministers group, and you can start working and edifying the kingdom. Now, if you want to read the whole article on the sin of Corbin with all the details, I can't even begin to scratch the surface of what's in there. I've got, you know, some of it printed out here. I would have had the shorter, shortened up the notes, but I had calls this morning already. Uh, but the fact is, it's all there in black and white. It's one of those things where you're going to have to read it a couple of times. Uh, I just uploaded a fresh copy of it uh, that anybody can download. But go to that same hisholychurch.org, drop down menu under the guy with the net, and you'll see a, a new heading there, Deer Network. Go to the Deer Network. It's Deer Network 80, and in that you'll find the link to the booklet, uh, The Sin of Corbett. And you can read it for yourself that the modern church has led the people down a delusionary path that is contrary to ways of Christ and have made them vulnerable to the kings of the world, subject to the gods of that, and forced to pray to those gods in order to sustain themselves. Now, I'm not faulting you. All would have fallen for this delusion except by the grace of God. But I am calling you. I am I'm pleading with you, repent, turn around, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, set the table of the Lord of Jesus Christ. It will be a banquet table when you begin to share your loaves and fishes with others. And that's what we encourage you to do. Now, yes, you can support this ministry, but it's more important that you gather together in local congregations more important that you gather together in that brotherly love of patience and long-suffering and service of one to each other, not to be served by others, not to have others come and work for you, but you come to work for others. And yes, you don't want to be supporting the wickedness in others. You want to be supporting the and strengthening the poor and rebuking the wickedness of others but coming together in that faith, hope, and charity and that perfect law of liberty. You need to do that. You need to do that now. You need to be moving in that direction with every fiber of your being. And that is why we've uh, published this material uh, and what the system of God is really all about and what you can do for the kingdom. You know, that was one of the phrases I've often paraphrased from Kennedy. Ask not what the kingdom can do for you, but ask rather what you can do for the kingdom. Because that is the nature. Christ did not come to rule over his brother. Uh, he came to serve his brother. So people want to know what kind of church government uh, operates. If, if you donate to the church, what kind of church government? 
Well, if you're a local congregation, and that's where most of the contribution should be, is in that local congregation, it will be a small, intimate group of 10 families, if all things be perfect, and uh, you donate there. But that minister will gather together with nine other ministers like himself, and he will have an intimate knowledge of his congregational group and an intimate knowledge with the other nine ministers like himself. And so he will say, you know, this happened in our community and we're having trouble meeting this need. Can you guys uh, muster some support for us? Well, they would go to their congregation and say, you know, I know this brother Steve or Bill or Bob, and he is saying that they've had some really hard times. Uh, I've even met with some of the people from their congregation and they're good people, but they need some help. And then everybody contributes. And suddenly you have 90 other families that are that concerned about your welfare. And you work out your salvation. This is the way the government of God works. It doesn't where you send everything into a central treasury. Jesus talks. Why is Jesus talking about a central treasury where thieves and robbers can break in and moths can eat up the value of things? That's what's going on in your world. And it's because you're not organizing yourselves according to the government of God. You need to repent. You need to turn around. And you can't do that. You will not do that unless you love one another as much as you love yourself. If you're in it to survive for yourself, you're probably not going to be any good to us. Because if you're interested in helping others survive, then we want to make sure that you get in the lifeboat. You know, I gave the example when the Titanic was going down that people were pushing off and the boats were only a third full or less. What is that? That is not Christian. There were other people that were giving up their seat so that you may have life more abundant. That is the character of Christ. And we need to return to find that character in ourselves. We need to turn around you have been listening to the keys of the kingdom with brother gregory of his holy church for more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.